Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of On Air with the Chair. I'm Captain Nick James, your MEC chairman, and I'm joined in the office today by our scheduling committee chairman, Chad Potter. Chad, welcome to the show. Hi, Nick. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, sir. Today, we're going to discuss a, some new topics at Endeavor. Then we're going to hear from Chad, our scheduling committee chairman, about the state of affairs in terms of staffing and schedules. And then, as always, we're going to answer a pilot question. Remember, if you have a question or an idea for a topic for the show, please write to edvcoms at alpha.org. Again, that's edvcoms at alpha.org. If we choose your question or your topic for the show, we will be sending you a gift from the MEC. So please uh, participate in that. So what's new here at Endeavor and in, in the Endeavor MEC? Well, there are some things that are going to be coming up over the course of the next month that you very well might be interested in. Uh, the first event is going to be on October 6th. We are going to host our fourth all-pilot conference call this year. It's going to follow the same format that we've seen in the past, where we are going to have a live stream and we're going to have uh, call-in numbers available to you. Uh, moving forward into next year, we're going to be looking at doing more of a video-style presentation. Um, so look for that, too, at the beginning part of next year's uh, all-pilot conference calls. We're also going to have an MEC meeting that will be held here in Minneapolis at the Courtyard. Uh, the dates of that meeting will be the 12th through the 15th, and all members in good standing can attend the meeting if they so choose um, for all sessions other than closed sessions, and most of our, our meetings are in open session. So if you'd like to come by and see the business of the MEC, please feel free to do so. The next event that you might be interested in is the Board of Directors. The Board of Directors meeting is a meeting that is held every two years. All of the MECs come together to set strategic national objectives. That is going to be held on the 19th, 20th, and 21st of October, and it will be held in a virtual setting due to the parameters of COVID. That's going to present some challenges, obviously, for Alpa National and for our MECs, as we've never held a Board of Directors in a virtual setting. But... Alpa National is very, very hard at work trying to put together that format, and we look to have a very productive and very good meeting on that front. Two more topics that I'd like to cover in the What's New section. The first is going to be layover safety. We serve a lot of cities and markets that are experiencing some levels of civil unrest right now, and I will say that Endeavor Management, along with our hotel committee, is doing an excellent job of ensuring the safety of our crew members, and they are reaching out proactively to make sure and ensure your safety. If you do feel like your safety is ever in question, please do not hesitate to reach out to your LEC representative, your union representatives, or company representatives immediately. The last thing that we're going to cover in the What's New section is a new perspective on the PFA campaign that will be launched in the coming weeks that was driven primarily by pilot feedback and our current COVID environment. So please look and check your emails. We'll have a podcast on it and we'll be covering quite a bit of detail on it on the all pilot conference call. We're excited about it at the MEC level, and I'm sure you're going to share our excitement and enthusiasm out on the line as well. So now we're going to move on to the state of schedules and staffing uh, inside Endeavor. And here to provide us some really, really good information is our scheduling committee uh, chairman, Chad Potter. Chad, once again, welcome, sir. Hey, thanks, Nick. I'm glad to, uh, glad to be here and answer any questions I can. Perfect, perfect. So let's just start with what is the hottest topic on the minds of pilots today or what 
questions are you seeing the most of driven to you by the pilots? The biggest concern that they have is the reduction of their schedule quality overall. Their pilots are working more days, having less productive trips, and, and essentially having a poorer lifestyle and as a result. The reason that we're doing that is we have a reduction of flight schedule coming from Delta, meaning that there are less flights overall system-wide, which results in, again, more days at work, less days off, longer sits at airports, longer sits at outstations. And that reduction in flight schedule, that's another terminology for marketing schedule, correct? That's correct. It's just that there isn't enough flights to go around. Delta has a done a flight reduction, and which means a reduction of the flight schedules, which results in a poor schedule overall for the pilots. Okay. So, you know, in some examples that we've talked about internally outside of the show, you know, we may see a market segment from, let's say, Detroit to Lansing, there may be eight flights a day. Now we're reducing those to four flights a day which means not only are we losing those block hours, we're also then trying to, we don't have as many return flights, and so it's going to create those longer sits, correct? That's correct. For for example here, if you fly from Detroit and it leaves at 10 a.m., it gets into Lansing at 11 a.m. Typically, if we had our regular flight schedule, there will be a return flight, say 11.30, 11.45, back to Detroit or back to another domicile. Now there isn't a flight until 1.30 or maybe even 2 o'clock. So that flight crew either has to sit at that airport in Lansing or has to go to the hotel for an overnight, which results in an even more or less productive trip overall. So they're, they're going to sit there for two and a half, maybe three hours, return to Detroit to do their last flight, maybe to their outstation, maybe to finish up their trip. So with this reduction in marketing schedules or marketing time or block hours that Delta is sending to us, you know, I think it... It's pretty clear that's a great answer as to why we have these long sits, but I think that also leads into why we have a lot of inefficient trips. And as we have inefficient trips, and, and what I mean by that is our historic block per duty, let's say in the 900, has been around five and a half hours. In the 200, it's been sometimes close to five, if not right at five. Um, where is that block per duty sitting right now? The 900 is around about four hours a day. The 200 is sitting just under three hours is what we ran for October. That that's block per day. Credit per day is, is a little bit higher. Why is the credit per day higher than the block per duty? Now, the block per duty runs per day. So the credit, we always have a four-hour min-day credit on for any day that you go to work. We're going to get paid four hours of min-credit. So we run into a situation where we can have more block per day on the 200. For example, the big thing with on the 200 is we usually have an hour-long flights. So we can either have somebody work four flights, do four hours blocking and four hours of pay, or we can have that pilot do two, maybe three flights, get a free extra hour of pay, send them to the hotel, reduce the number of long sits that they have, and then therefore have maybe a longer sit in a hotel as opposed to sitting in the airport doing more longer sits. Oh, so that the block per duty doesn't necessarily capture the the synthetic or soft credit is Absol what you're saying. That, that's absolutely correct. We have we have we and we try to utilize, we try to use what we have in the contract to the best of our ability to get the best schedules possible. So if that if we can have a pilot work less and get paid more, that's ideally what we'd want to do. Unfortunately, they may have to work more days. This is not actually physically working more. Yeah, and they're having to work more days because there's just not enough flying to fill the schedules like we previously have seen. So that's correct. Yeah, there, and another thing that it factors into is the the company in their in their efforts to save costs have have forced us to go down to no more than one percent left in open time. And when we go down to one percent left in open time, we it's caused what's called socialization of the trips. So that meaning a more senior pilot has really good trips can be forced to a junior pilot 
for that junior pilot to get to the minimum credit. And that junior pilot's inefficient trip would go to a more senior pilot, causing that senior pilot to maybe lose one or two days off and get an additional trip onto their schedule. No, that that absolutely makes sense. And again, that's just driven by marketing schedule. And, and we're just kind of beholden to how many hours we have or we don't have as far as that is concerned. So what are some of the other hot topics that have been uh, going on in the PBS world? Uh, one of the biggest things that we've seen in the past few months is what's called a conditional bid. So oh, we have conditional bidding here at Endeavor? Yeah, and not, not in the sense that they have at, at Delta, but we have a kind of a workaround for a conditional bid. So we've seen an influx of pilots bidding for a reserve, but only if they can hold a long haul reserve. And that's what we call a conditional bid. Essentially, the pilot is asking for the entire month off by using the desired block of days off and bidding for the entire month off and doing, instead of giving a point value or a high, medium, low, there's a button to the right It says reserve down to. They'll click that button and they will click the number of reserve lines that they were willing to take to get that entire time off. So meaning if they can't get the entire month off, they will go down to that number of reserve lines that they select. If they select seven reserve lines and their seven reserve lines go senior to them, the solver will automatically go back to giving them a line. So that's kind of different than what Delta has in terms of con actual conditional bidding because at Delta, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Chad, because you're more familiar with the um, that system than I am. But at Delta, you basically can say, I want a reserve line if I can hold long call reserve. Or if I can't hold that, then I will take a regular line. Or I'm willing to do long call reserve or P2. Or I will then be given a regular line. What you're saying here is that we have that same ability. It just takes a couple of extra steps and that means that you have to look into the what would be the bid packet, I assume, and figure out about how many reserve lines you think they're going to be awarding and just say, if there's 50 reserve lines awarded, I know that 30% of those are going to be long call reserve. I'm willing to take, let's say, the first 10 or 12, so I'm not sitting at the bottom of the LCR line. And then if I don't get those, then I'm going to be forced into a regular line situation. That's correct. It's it's not an exact science. Uh, a pilot can bid for that. And if a senior pilot picks short call reserves, which some of them do, that means that number that they bid down to may not be the exact number that they could hold. So there could be a long call reserve line that goes junior to them. However, if the first eight reserve lines, let's say, for example, the pilot bid for eight reserve down to eight, six of them were long call, two of them were short call, that and they made eight long call reserve lines, there very well could be two long calls below him. And if he would have been in the ninth reserve, it would have put him to a regular line as opposed to giving him a reserve line. So again, it's not an exact science, but it is a way that a pilot can bid for a long call reserve line. And then uh, and if they are senior enough to hold a long call reserve line, they can hold it. And if a pilot wanted to execute that strategy, could they reach out to the PBS committee and get some guidance on how to properly do that? Absolutely. We, we help pilots every single month on how to bid that. And we're actually going to be putting it into the hotline coming up on how to bid for that. So look for, there'll be a excerpt in the early bid hotline and it'll also be repeated in the regular bid hotline of how to bid for a conditional bid. Oh, perfect. And what if we're bidding on the weekends? I mean, does the PBS uh, committee work on the weekends? Uh, one thing that we're changing here in an effort to save money, cut costs, um, everybody, the, we, we will have people on duty um, on the weekends. However, they will not be staffed in the office. They will be remote staffed. And so if you do call, please leave a message. And then if you do a message, leave, please leave a time to call back with and a time to call back. And let you know if you're Eastern time, Central time, 
just so we know we're going to give you a call back. Uh, we are encouraging pilots to use uh, the email address, edvpbs at alba.org as well. Um, kind of gives, we can work kind of around the clock that instead of giving somebody a call back nine o'clock at night. Oh, no, that's great. And a lot of times, you know, pilots have somewhat of a narrow window to actually bid for what they want. They may be on a trip. They may have a lot of personal things going on at home. Um, so the timeliness of, of responses is, is very important. So thank you for, Chad, for doing that and your committee doing that. Um, you know, one of the things that I've heard from pilots often um, when it comes to composition of trips, they want late starts. They want early finishes because they want commutability. They don't want to have the three-hour sits. They want 15-hour overnights, and they want 28 hours worth of credit in, in a four-day. And usually when I've said that to you know pilots, who would like to see those happen? Or every every single pilot raises their hand. Yeah, I, that's the kind of trip that I want. Um, why, why is that not theoretically feasible or possible to do that? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously we would like to do that. Um, again, there is a limited number of trips. We also have to cater to everybody. Not everybody is a commuter. Not everybody lives in base. So we have to have some trips that are commutable, some trips that start early that are more productive, that can have the possibility of being more productive. Some people like starting early and then finishing early. Um, there's pilots that, you know, I want to start at 6 a.m., but I don't want to fly past 3 p.m. Yeah, and I want to stay on that schedule. Yeah, I just want to fly early and stay on that and be done. And when I'm done with my four-day, I want to be done by 3 o'clock so I can go home and have the evening free. Um, so we make some trips like that. So we kind of have a broad variety of the trips that we need to uh, to build or we try to build if we have the proper schedule. Sure, and it's always conditioned on, like you said, having the proper schedule, having the marketing time and block hours to do that. So you're also limited there. Um, and the other area that I think we're kind of limited in is contractually, we don't actually have any control over what solution is selected by the company. So I know the PBS um, committee runs several different solutions. Why don't you kind of explain to the pilots what we mean by that? So typically, we receive the flight schedules from Delta on the 25th or 26th. Um, due to the uh, the fluctuating demand that we've seen the past the previous past six months, we received that those flight schedules quite a bit later, almost a week later, the first or second, possibly on the latest week, can get them. Um, from that point on, we take those flight schedules, which are essentially just legs. They are flight from Detroit to Lansing, and there'll be another one will be Cincinnati to Louisville, and we just have to bake those into schedules or trips. Um, so that's what we do, and we 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 put parameters in there. We adjust go, you know, we it's kind of like bidding. We put penalties on the software. Say, I don't I don't want any trips, any long sits over three hours. If there's any long sits over three hours, you're penalized five hundred points. Oh, so it's it's actually just like it is it, schedules. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit different, but in a, in a term where the you know where people can understand it. But conceptually, it, it conceptually works, it works yeah. the same. Yes, you're penalizing and you're rewarding it for. You know, if you can make a four-day worth over 20 hours, you get a reward. Oh. If you can make, you know, a three-day over 15 hours, you get an award. It's it's a point value. It's, again, it's like it's trying to get the maximum points it can. Um, the company, unfortunately, has the authority to limit us on what we can do. Um, I can't hard set it to no more than three hours. Because there, there there's a way in there. I can say you can't build a trip with more than a three-hour sit. Um, they, I have tried to do that. It, it makes, it creates an extensive amount of deadheads 
And the cost would be so high for the company that they just say, you can't do that. Why is deadhead cost, which is part of the reason why we see these sits to begin with, because if we don't have these sits, we have these, these deadhead costs. Why don't you explain to the listener why deadheads drive those costs? When the pilot is assigned a deadhead on a strip, you're paid 100% on that deadhead, which drives up costs for the company because they're not making any money by you flying any passengers. You're riding and getting paid to ride in the back. And that's looked at, too, as it's called a synthetic factor, the synthetic cost factor, um, as in free pay for the pilots. So when they do that, your credit per day goes up, but your block per day goes down. The company's looking at covering the block hours that they need at the lowest cost possible because they're trying to save money as well in this environment. So if we have a lot of deadheads, if we have a lot of overnights in domicile, if we have a lot of soft credit built into our schedules, that drives that synthetic cost. And basically what it means is it drives a higher cost for the company to cover the same amount of block hours. So they're always very sensitive to that. So the higher, the higher synthetic cost that the company has paid is the highest block hour per day that the company is paying for us to buy the plane. No, that, that makes perfect sense. So not only are you trying to balance what the pilots want to see, you also have to balance what the company wants to see because ultimately they get to choose the solution that is run. Absolutely. When we, when we go there, we submit a couple runs for ours and they have their, a couple runs of their own. Um, so it, we, can, we can make an extreme, extremely costly but pro-pilot you know, solution, but the company has the authority to say, you know, that's out. And every once in a while, we'll throw something out there to see, you know, what we can get away yeah, with every once in a while. And, you know, they're usually they're like, nope, that one's out. And sometimes if it's not as bad, they'd be like, well, we don't like that one. Then I know I can cut back just a little bit more to see if I can get something to stick. No, that makes sense. So if you, if you just created very pilot friendly schedules in all scenarios, it's such an outlier that they're unlikely to be selected. And then we're just going with company solutions all the time, which aren't necessarily as pilot friendly as we like them to be. So trying to be reasonable in what you're trying to accomplish gives our pilots better schedules. Yeah. I mean, in, in a nutshell, I'm trying to get the best schedule for the pilots while appeasing the company or giving the company enough to let me get away with it. Oh, no, that makes sense. Well, I guess the last thing that I kind of want to cover with you, Chad, um, is reserve levels, because I know that that's always been something that has been on the pilots' minds. Um, it seems like we've had we've seen differing levels of reserves uh, in the last couple of years, depending upon position, understaffed, overstaffed. But in this COVID environment, where are the reserve levels like right now? And, and what are you seeing between the 900, 200 or different bases? Um, well, with the recent realignments coming up, they are getting uh, a more correct uh, reserve levels to where they need to be. Um, for example, a few months ago, we saw a, a large difference. We had the 900s having no flying at all um, with reduced credit windows. People could drop reserves whenever they wanted. Higher reserve levels, people were able to drop reserve days. While the 200 was being credit pushed in many positions, um, nobody could drop anything with you know not as productive trips and being pushed more. And now, with the, unfortunately, with the closure of the 200 in New York, those pilots are getting re, you know, re-signed to the skirt bases, making a more stable environment. Um, I believe we lowered the positions, I believe, in uh, for the majority of the positions in October, so the credit window was lowered for a lot of positions. Typically, when you lower those credit windows, people are able to do stuff on reserve. So the company still controls the credit uh, percentage of how you can drop, and they're still typically going with the higher percentage that they need. But there is more, there's more flexibility now than there was in the previous months. 
And that's just because our staffing is more aligned with where the flying is. That's correct. Yeah. So there's, you know, I guess, Chad, it's important for our listeners to remember that, you know, there is definitely some downsides to all these realignments. You know, even though we haven't experienced a net loss in captains, we do know that some people that were previously captains are now going to be first officers. Some people that held positions in bases or domiciles that they want now are being displaced to other positions, um, either to hold their seat or even maybe not to hold their seat. And, and while that is certainly a, a consequence that we would like to try to avoid, one silver lining in is that when we get those those positions properly staffed, you will get more efficiency out of the trips, out of the schedules, less socialization, and and better reserve coverage, which could lead to better schedule quality through drops and flexibility like that. Yeah. One of the, the biggest thing is um, that we saw in the past previous months um, coming from the, you know, with, with their, there's no New York flying at all. They had a lot of pilots out there that sat reserve while Atlanta, especially on the 200, Atlanta and Detroit were being worked mm-hmm. hard and the New York passed now with those, that New York 200 closing. They're back in the other positions where the actual flying is. So it's kind of spreading the pain out, for lack of other terms, to those other pilots. No, that makes sense. Well, Chad, thank you so much for coming in. Really, really appreciate it. This is a lot of really good information. Uh, If you have a question for Chad or for the PBS committee in general, Chad, again, why don't you give them the email or phone number on the best way to get a hold of you? So the easiest way to get a hold of us is edvpbs at alpa.org. Again, uh, for the phone tree, for the Alpa phone tree, we're option number five. Or even if you need to fill out a missed word form, which is the question, as long as it comes to us, then we'll get back to you. Awesome. Thanks, Chad. Thanks for coming in. Thank you, Nick. So as we do in every episode, we take a question from a frontline pilot. As always, if you have a question, please send it into edvcoms at alpa.org, edvcoms at alpa.org. Our question this month comes from uh, Nathan Mooney. And Nathan had a question that is very, very similar to what we have seen uh, from a lot of pilots during these realignments. And the question was surrounding if we could tell him whether his realignment award is correct based upon his bid card, as it looked like some people were displaced into the position that he desired that were junior to him. So just to make sure that the pilots understand exactly how Section 24 and the vacancy processes work with respect to realignments, when a realignment is notice is put out by the company, we always recommend that pilots go in and update their bid cards and please bid for what you want. Not what you think you can hold, but bid for what you want. Um, So what happens sometimes in these situations is you may bid for, let's say, an Atlanta 900 position. What they do when they start effectuating the vacancy is they go through movement per bids first. So you may may or may not have the seniority to hold that vacancy through a movement per bid. What very well can happen is if you don't have the seniority to hold it through a movement per bid, because that goes in seniority order, the vacancy closes out and then they move on to displacements. And the displacements go in inverse seniority order. So then when they start effectuating the displacements, this is how you get junior pilots into a position that you had desired higher on your bid card. Um, The best way to try to avoid that is to bid for the position that you want as a movement per bid through a straight filling of a vacancy and also to accept a voluntary displacement to that position. But keep in mind, and this is very, very important. You have a contractual right to withdraw from a vacancy. However, you cannot withdraw from a displacement, voluntary or involuntary. So if you accept the fact 
that you are bidding for a voluntary displacement and you are awarded that position through a voluntary displacement, you will not have withdraw rights. So Nathan, we really, really appreciate that question. As always, if you want to send a question in, it's edvcoms at alpha.org and we will send you a, a gift from the MEC. We uh, hope that you fly safe and be safe out there. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We'll see you next time. Take care. Send everything to 531, runway 28, quit the